All right, so very interesting that uh, Jesus came to do what no other prophet had done before him, and that was to show us who the Father is. Isn't that awesome? I mean, come on, if it's Father's Day, then let's celebrate who our Father is, because we have an awesome Father. And it was unknown. It was, it was kind of such a, a contraculture paradigm shift for the people of Jesus' day to hear God spoken as a father. I mean, God was, yes, spoken of as holy and as the creator and as powerful and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But a father? I mean, Jesus revolutionized theology when he came to speak about the father. I mean, let's face it, if you found out that the king, let's say there was a king in the land, say we weren't a democracy, we were a, a monarch, a monarchy, not a democracy, a monarchy, and you found out that this king of the country was your dad, I mean, that's going to change things pretty radically. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to show us that there is a kingdom. And part of this kingdom is that our benevolent king is actually our father. And he was going to make it a blood covenant, a blood connection, not just in title or by name, but by blood. We would be integrated into this communion of the Father and the Son. This is revolutionary news. This is good news. This is the news of the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. Jesus spoke a few times about the church because that would be his body that he would work through on the planet. But he said, I'm giving you the keys of that kingdom. And then when he taught them to pray, he made a point of saying, our father. Say our father. Oh. He's your father. He's my father. Our father. You are awesome and you are hallowed. But father, you're a king of a kingdom. And we want your kingdom to reign on this earth. We want your kingdom to become the kingdom over all kingdoms. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And in teaching us to pray that prayer, Jesus showed us explicitly what the will of God was. Our Father, is that his kingdom would come on earth. And the Pharisees of the day, the, the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees and the the. the the, the, the law teachers weren't convinced about this. And, and th they were th very suspicious of Jesus. And, and Jesus was clear. Guys, the law and the prophets were until John. John the Baptist, who he said was the greatest of the, of the uh, Old Testament law and prophets. But he who's least in the kingdom is greater. So that's me. <laughs> that's you, the least in the kingdom is greater. And he said 
to them that the law and the prophets were until John. But then came the good news of the kingdom of God. And we are, people were forcing their way into it. That means they were so dead, sick, tired of religion and all that religion tried to impose on them that when they heard the good news of the kingdom, they said, we in. And even then, the Pharisees and the Sadducees try to stand against this good news of the kingdom message that Jesus brought. But Jesus also made it clear that the law hadn't finished its work yet. The law wasn't over. The law hadn't been tossed out. The law was very much still in place. But for the reason God put it in place in the first place was to bring people to a knowledge of the grace of God that would be given through the Messiah and that would usher in a new kingdom. So we're going to continue a little bit around this topic this morning and we're going to look at this subject of our Father is King. And he taught them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he said to them in Luke 16, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news, say good news, the good news of the kingdom has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. And, and that doesn't mean the law didn't still have a role to play because the very next verse said, it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear for the least stroke of a pen of the law, drop out of the law. It still had its purpose to fulfill. But when we mix law and grace, Matthew 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You lock up the kingdom of heaven from people, for you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to go in. So, by way of introduction, I want to remind you this morning that the clash of law and grace is not a new problem in the church. The clash of law and grace happened right back in the day of Jesus when he came and said the law had a role to play until the time of John and now the good news of the kingdom. But they wanted to hang on to their religion and in so doing mix the law and grace. The law that led them to Christ and the grace that Jesus brought. And you see, law is what man does until grace comes. Law is, is that thing that says, you shall do this and you shall do that. Grace comes and says, I will make a new covenant. I will remove your sins. You see, law is what man does until he finds grace. Law tries to prepare man to one day leave this earth. Or tries to prepare man. But the good news of the kingdom empowers a man to reach eternity. But before that, to see God's kingdom impact on this earth and rule in life through the one man Christ Jesus. The law focuses on, a, on heaven out there to be achieved. But the kingdom focuses on what God wants to do on this planet 
through this message of grace and then to prepare us eternally for heaven. Law and grace is man trying to reach God, but grace of the kingdom is when God reaches down and takes hold of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Scripture says in 1 John that the law was given, but grace came. The law was given, it was written on, on, on tablets of stone, but grace came through the man Christ Jesus, born of Virgin Mary, lived until 30 years of age in submission to the system and the principles and the law of the day. But then he stood up and says, the Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me. And in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, how that God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, and he went around and did good and set free those who were captives of Satan. Jesus came to change the whole concept of God's relationship with man. And this, my friend, is the good news. And this is what Jesus uh, was so vehemently opposed to the religion of his day. He didn't just go out every day to pick a fight with the Sadducees and the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees. He didn't deliberately get up every day and think, ah, just I've got some free time on my hands. Let me go, you know, start an argument. No, Jesus was vehemently opposed to the religious mindset of people who were trying to reach God through their good works when he knew it was impossible for man to keep the law perfectly, every part of it intact. But only he would fulfill the law and in doing so open up a new way and he said you teachers of the law not only are you not entering the kingdom by your mixture of law and grace but you are stopping other people from getting in because of this direct opposition to the good news of grace and the kingdom of God come on this is what Jesus came to announce so, let's, let's look a little bit further in this topic. We've been talking about the keys of the kingdom. Over the last few weeks, we've covered a few of these keys. We've, we've looked at the keys of, of how to pray in line with faith. We, we, we've, we've looked at the, the importance of the Holy Spirit being involved in the kingdom. And uh, 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 the, the demonic invasion was brought about on, through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we've looked at the importance of repenting for the kingdom is at hand and the changing of the mindsets and how we think about God, how we think about life. And the question might still be lingering, well, what is this kingdom? What is this kingdom? And I, I think one of the most succinct definitions um, I've read was from Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, passed away some years. I haven't... Recently, in recent years, had much to do uh, or listening or reading. But I remember back in the day, uh, he spoke a lot about the kingdom of God. And I, I kind of, a lot of it went over my head, I think. I'm talking about our days back at Hatfield. He even came to the church there and ministered once a year. He was an amazing guy. But uh, I don't think I was ready to understand the things that we, 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 we're grasping now, the importance of the kingdom coming in the keys. But he said this, the governing influence, this is what the kingdom is, okay? The governing influence of a king over his territory. 
impacting it with his personal will, purposes, and intent. Producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desire and nature for his citizens. I mean, that, you're not going to write that down, but you can leave it up so you can take a photograph. The kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent, producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desires and nature for his citizens. Wow, that is so good. You've been invited, my friend. Alec and Jackie, you've been invited to enter and to live in this kingdom that reflects the Father's values, intent, and nature. Terry and Joe, you've been invited into this. The king said, come, I want you to know that I'm your father, and I'm inviting you in. Rosie, Trev, Clint, Nita, Robbie, we've been invited by the king of the kingdom to come into his kingdom as citizens. <laughs> Part of this new order that he's establishing on the planet. I want to share just a few things about this kingdom. Number one, he has qualified you and given you full rights as a citizen of heaven. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us, say rescued us, from the dominion of darkness, I beg your pardon, jump there, and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Ephesians 2 verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, yeah, here's the result. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then Philippians chapter 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. When is it going to be in heaven? In the sweet by and by? Alone? Only? Upon the sky when you die? No, 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 my friend. It's already a stake on your plate. It's already here. The kingdom of God was at hand. Like one preacher said, it's not a pound the sky when you die, but a plate on your stake while you wait. 
The kingdom of God is not the sweet by and by. The kingdom Jesus brought was at hand, and he says, it's with me. It's different to what you were expecting. You thought I was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and make you all, you know, territory reigners. But I'm not. I'm not of that kind of kingdom. My kingdom is coming differently. It's the yeast that penetrates the dough, and it's going to take over the whole planet. Is God capable of doing that? Well, it does. Yes, absolutely. Doesn't look like it's fully happened yet. So, hello. You think COVID took God by surprise? Like, oh no, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, angels, do something, protect them. Quickly go close the churches. I don't want my children getting sick. I doubt it. Verse 21 Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, say everything. Everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Both now and into eternity. Kingdom now and also not fully yet and into eternity. The privilege of citizenship. You, my friend, are a citizen of heaven. <laughs> You've got a passport. You might not even know about it. You, you, you're carrying dual passport. In fact, you guys have got three passports. You, know, you two, I mean, some of you got four or five passports. You've got a, pa a heavenly passport that entitles you to a heavenly status and a heavenly economy to transact in this life. I, I, don't, I don't think I should tell your story, Jane about you hearing from another country at this time and then putting some stuff into Kabbalatu on air. We can always trim it out, eh? But because Janet holds a British passport and has done some work over there, she gets a letter from the British government saying, we'd like to give you like equivalent to, to UIF during COVID. But this is in pounds, not rands. So it's like, I don't know, one pound's like 7,000 rand or something. <laughs> when you hold dual citizenship, you have privileges and benefits that you might not even know about. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's people fighting for, for citizenships in countries where the economies are stronger and crime is less. So we've got the whole ANC. I mean, you know, that stands for American, New Zealand, Canada. Uh, so, so you got the, you know, uh, uh, America, New Zealand, Canada, yeah, NC. And, uh, anyway, uh, so, so you got people fighting for, for citizenships of other countries so that it can, you know, for them and their children, their grandchildren, they're thinking into the future. But what would the point be if you as a Mexican eventually climbed over Donald's Wall and got citizenship and then pitched your caravan 100 meters from the wall on the American side and say, yeah, I'm a citizen of America. You're still living in a desert. You're still living below your rights. So the purpose of getting into the kingdom of God isn't just to get saved. Getting into the kingdom of God is not just about being born again and then waiting for the heavenly train to come and pick you up at the rapture bus stop. Citizen in heaven means you have legal rights to access 
Everything Jesus said is yours. Everything he did for you. Everything he made you to be. Jesus said, it is finished. The old is out and the new is in. And I'm raising up a triumphant people that will reign in the last days through Christ Jesus. My friend, and the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house, said the prophet. Looking forward. Citizens. Who can access. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> Citizens. Who can access what Jesus provided for you. By faith. I'm only in point one. The second thing. That. Happens in the Father's kingdom. First is you're a citizen. Second is he provides for you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. We heard that in the teaching this morning. The third thing that you have in your father's kingdom is he's given you the right, he has given you a right standing in his presence that religion could never imagine. Because for religion, God is always out there somewhere and we were doing our best to please Him. And Jesus comes along and He brings law and grace that brings us into a standing with God that no amount of righteous works and acts could have done. But He also made it clear in Matthew 5.20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. So you better go out and be a better person tomorrow. You better go and try harder, my friend. Good enough is not good enough. You, 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 you got some hard work to do before you enter this. No! Jesus is saying... The scribes and Pharisees' righteousness came by obeying the law which they could never do. But there's a new righteousness. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you're going to have to trust in a whole new righteousness, as it says in Romans chapter 3. But now, say but now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law which has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe, because there's no difference. My friend, in this kingdom, we know we've sinned and fallen short, and we need to be justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. We've taught extensively on these things, but He who said, seek first the kingdom of God, also said, his, and His righteousness. Because only the righteousness that we receive through Christ can position us in this kingdom without fear and guilt and feeling inferior. What does it mean to be in this kingdom? What does the Father do? What are our benefits? Number four, He values you beyond your wildest expectations. If you can try and think about how much God loves you, you haven't even come close. You haven't even come close. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now I know most of us, when we read that, we think of the high price we paid to find Jesus in our life. I know most of us, when we read that verse, we say, yes, there you go. You see, you have to go and just give it all up. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went and sold everything he had. So, 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 so you, you know, it's costly. It's going to cost you. And, and, you know, there's an application of that which, which is true. I, I don't want to deny that. And, and I have no doubt that for some people there is a letting go of their own righteousness. For some people there's a letting go of what they trust in like the rich young ruler. Jesus said, if you can just let go of that. It's like the monkey holding on to fruit in, inside of a, like a trap. If he lets go, he's free. But he hangs on. Let go. No, no. So I, I, I'm not discounting that, that, that there is that. But but I, I want you just to stop and read it differently this morning. What about Jesus? Seeing you as a pearl of great price. Leaving his heaven. And going to that planet and buying that field. Because he saw you. And he saw you. And he saw me. What about... If Jesus, oh, that's the pearl one, sorry. The other one was just a treasure. Same principle. You get the point. If Jesus saw a treasure in a field, and that treasure looked like you, my friend, and he said, that treasure is worth leaving my kingdom glory, shedding my blood, giving up my life, in my joy. Because the Bible says, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. My friend, you and I have no idea of the value he attaches to us and the love that he puts over us. Last one. He has entrusted us, he has entrusted to us the exercise to exercise and enforce his kingdom rule on earth by giving us the keys of the kingdom. Jesus came and told them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And what did he then say? You go. He didn't say, you got all that. He says, you go. I've given you the keys, now you go. I've got all authority, now you go. And apply those <coughs> keys wherever I call you and wherever I send you. What these keys symbolize is a key has authority. If I'm going away and I leave my home under your jurisdiction, you now have the authority that key represents 
authority. If I'm going away and I say, look after my house, that key gives you access. If I am away, in a sense, I've delegated that you now have a sense of ownership. You have a sense of control. And it gives you a freedom to come and go. So in the same way, Jesus came to show us that the Father, that the God of heaven is our Father, and he has a kingdom, and we have keys that we have authority in, that we have ownership in, that we have control in, and that brings us freedom in. A key activates something. A key brings us into a place before restricted. It gives us access. That's why Jesus very specifically used the analogy of keys. He says, I'm giving you keys. Because there's some things that are allowed in heaven that should be allowed on earth. And there's some things that are not allowed in heaven that shouldn't be allowed on earth. And you can take these keys and you can begin to access those things. You can begin to have control over those things. You don't have to lie on the boat and wait for Jesus to get up and rebuke the storm. He says, leave me alone. I'm tired. I've had a long day. Why don't you get up and rebuke the storm? There's a sense in which he has authorized and deputized us to take the keys and apply them. Exercising and enforcing his kingdom rule on earth by giving us keys. We are now walking in the footsteps of the Jesus who came to show us the Father. The Jesus who came to show us there's a kingdom at hand. And he said, as I am, so are you in this world. I give you equal citizenship. I give you a right standing with my Father. I will provide for you. I value you beyond your wildest expectations. And I've given you these keys because I want you to live as I am in this world. And it says, uh, there was a last scripture. It hasn't come. I'll read it for you. Matthew 24, 23. Jesus was going all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among their people. 1 John 3.8, Acts 10.38, all speak about Jesus as coming with authority. And he exercised that authority as a man would have in right relationship with God. You see, my friend, the bar is much higher than we ever imagined. We don't have to lower it. We, we can rather live with a little bit of, 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 of uncertainty, a little bit of questioning, than believe a lie that Jesus didn't mean what he said when he said it. And those of us who have put our faith in Jesus have found him to be true. If there's a problem, it's not on his side. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. 
I'll never forget as a young delinquent teenager stopping off in Durban because Durbs was the place to go. You were a Joburg boy. Durban was a place to go. I nearly told you for what reasons, but I'm jumping straight ahead now. And I thought, let me stop in at my dad's business and just go say hi to him. Surprise. So there I was, dirty, torn jeans with a couple of ragamuffin friends all smelling of the night before and just totally unkept and coming into Hillcrest. On our way, stopping at Kristen Center and going to my dad's office block and going into the foyer where the secretary was sitting and walking up and saying, uh, I want to see Mr. Wheeler, please. She says, have you made an appointment? I said, uh, no. Okay, well, just fill these forms out and give them back to me and I will see where we can schedule you. And when I gave the forms back, she looked at them and said, Wheeler, are you any relation? I said, well, yeah, he's my dad. Oh, your dad? Sorry, just a moment. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, your, your son is, next minute, he appears, and she's standing at this point, and it's like, uh, uh, Mr. Wheeler, your, is this your, your son's come to visit, visit you? Such a nice surprise. And I said, yeah, it's a great surprise. And I walked and I said, yeah, I'll make that two sugars in my tea. Thank you very much. And my friends will have coffee. And you know those nice little biscuits? You, uh, that we're on the, in fact, we don't like those. Don't you want to get us some rusks, please? <laughs> now, I exaggerate that last part. But my point is this. How can you be elevated from nothing to somebody. It happens when your relationship has shifted. And your relationship has moved from being a slave to being a son. You are in a new kingdom and you have a father who is the king and you have discovered that the king is your father. Don't you want to stand up? as we just celebrate together. Thank you, Lord, that you loved this planet long before we ever did. Thank you, Lord, you loved this planet even before you loved the church because you sent your son to die. And Lord, Father God, we know this morning that you've not abandoned this planet. You haven't written it off and just said the end. But you have a vested interest. And, and we want to just stand in agreement now. The kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your values. Your culture, your ethos, your contraculture principles come to earth in our education institutions, 
in our governmental institutions, in the arts fields, in the business sector. We pray that every ambassador standing here this morning will go and reign, not just survive, but rule in life through Christ Jesus. That every person standing here will move beyond just slave mentality into son mentality. And that the kingdom of God will be demonstrated. That the kingdom of God will be manifest wherever we put our feet. Wherever we step in, darkness will retreat. Wherever we walk in, that, 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 that illegitimate rule, rulership will cease to, to, to govern. But that the kings and the priests of the kingdom will rise up with a new authority and a new boldness as we pray heavenly prayers of agreement in the boat where we are standing that this storm, you're coming to an end. We say to you, COVID storm, you will not have the last word over the families of God. You will not have the last word over the churches of God. But right now, even in people's homes, they are gathering to pray. Even in the school halls, they are gathering to pray. Even in buildings, derelict buildings and car lots and in their dining rooms, the church is rising up. And with one voice, we're proclaiming our God's kingdom. Our God's kingdom come on earth. Amen. Amen. Take this word, my friends. Meditate it. Chew on it. Let it change the very framework of your life. God bless. Have an awesome day. Amen. That our life is made up from the decisions we've made. My friend, the most important decision I ever made was to commit my life to Jesus Christ. And that was simply a prayer where I identified with his death, burial, and resurrection, where I put my faith in his perfection and his death in place of my imperfection. And at that moment, my spirit was made alive. And I wasn't made perfect immediately. There's a, a walk we walk as we continue to put faith in Jesus. But there's a starting place where what was dead is made alive. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever committed your life to Jesus? Have you been born again? Have you received his offer of salvation. And if you're not sure how to answer that question, if there's any doubt in your mind, please give me the privilege and opportunity to pray with you, sentence by sentence, as you do that right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus Christ for you so loved this world that you gave him to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. He lived the life I could never live. And through his death and resurrection, offers me the free gift of salvation. I receive that right now. By his blood I am forgiven. 
by His Spirit I've been raised up and brought into your presence without guilt, shame or condemnation. I come boldly to your throne of grace. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, my friend, irrespective of how you feel right now, some people tingle, some people burst into tears, some people feel like they did before they prayed. You don't put your confidence in the feeling. You put your confidence that God is a rewarder of what he has said. Please contact somebody. There is a screen button on the online video you're watching. Please hit that as somebody wants to pray with you, correspond with you, send you some material that is going to be helpful for your journey ahead. Pick up a phone. Tell one of your friends that you know is a believer. Someone who may even have been praying for you. A pastor that you haven't seen in many years. Most important thing now is to go and testify to what you've just done because this is part of the next step for you to grow into your... Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Enjoy.